I say goodnight to my wife and I roll over and in five seconds I'm out. <laughs> you know, so I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not used to this staying up till two o'clock in the morning and then my body's just going all over the place. Man, so thanks, so. Well, let's look at uh, Exodus chapter 19 before I go rambling on about other things. And I want to start with verse 3. <laughs> verse 3, it says, Then Moses went up to God. And the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. Verse 4, You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Hmm. Think about that for a second. I brought you to myself. Now, verse 5 starts off and it says this, and, it, and it's amazing because when you go through scripture, like, how many, how many like blessings? Okay? And how, how many of us have learned uh, Deuteronomy 28 that talks about the blessings? Okay? We oftentimes, we confess all the blessings of God, but we forget that first verse that says that if you hearken to my words, and if you do all that I command you to do this day, then these blessings will come. And we love those, the 14 verses that go that follow that. And we, we, we quote all that. You know, I'm blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed coming, blessed going, my barns are going to be full. My womb, well, not my womb, but, uh, but you know, so we, we talk about this, and then, but we stop there, and we forget that verse 15 says this: that if you don't hearken to my words, and if you don't do all that I command you to do this day, then these curses will come. And did you ever think about this? Is that we got 14 verses of blessing? But we've got, uh, Mr. Scholar, we got about, what, 48 verses of curses in Deuteronomy 28? Does that sound about right? That's saying something. How about 2 Chronicles 7, 14, which we talk about all the time? That if my people, he's not talking to the world, he's talking to you and me. If my people, who are called by my nature, I'm a Jesus. I'm a Christian. I'm a little Christ on the earth. Yes. Amen. Yes. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Think about that for a second. I'm not, I'm not a bad person. I might have used to be a bad person, but I'm not a bad person now. But yet, he says, my people are called by my it's humble, pray, yeah. seek my face. Jeremiah says, if you seek me with all your heart, right. not just seeking me, but if you seek me with all your heart, then he says, I'll be found with you. So, then I'll hear you from heaven. I'll even forgive your sins. That tells me we got some things to work on. That's right. 
not perfect. We have some things to work on in our lives. Let's go on. Verse 5, look at what it says. It's just what we talked about there a few minutes ago. It says, Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be mine for a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. For these are the words that you are to speak to the Israelites. Now go to verse 14. After Moses had gone down from the mountain to the people, he consecrated them, and they washed their clothes. And then he said to the people, prepare yourselves for the third day. Abstain from sexual relations. And on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. And everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. And the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, and then Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. The Lord descended to the top of the Mount Sinai, and he called Moses to the top of the mountain. I want to stop there. How many have enjoyed the services so far? Praise and worship that I get to be a part of being able to, to lead you in that place. The dance that was just phenomenal. The words that came forth, the fellowship, the food. I think my stomach has kind of stuck out another two inches since I've been here. But we've enjoyed all of these wonderful experiences. But the question is, is in the experiences that we've had, have you been changed? Have you been changed to the point where the life that we have known it to be is not as important as it used to be? Is God more a focal point in your life from being here, from being in his presence? Okay? Uh, Matt talked about when they went and they were kind of backed up into the sea, and Pharaoh's army came, and he said that they were boxed in until the Lord opened the waters. I believe that my message is going to be what happened after the waters. Okay? See, we like that. Okay? We take it, you know, okay, they went to the mountain, but the question is, is what happened at the mountain? What happens oftentimes that we come and we do the hoopahs and the, the rah-rahs, but then we go home and have, 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 has something been instilled in us, or do we go back to the same thing the way that it was? Yeah. Yeah. Am I doing okay? Yeah. Yes. All right. Listen, we can be contented with the burning bushes, or we can rejoice over our first encounters with the supernatural God. We can be satisfied with the God-carved tablets of revelation and wisdom. 
and all the other things that he does. But now we've come to the mountain of decision. The fork in the road. God has pulled us out of the world, out of sin, though we live in it, though we live in the world. He has begun to make a people out of us. Think about society today, how it is that there is a lack of identity that has happened. I, I, I'm amazed. When, you know, I'm, I'm from, we're, we're from the baby boomer generation. And then it went to the millennials. Is that, is that right? Anyway, and then we got Generation X, Generation Y, Generation, generation Z. Now we got the, the Generations T. Say, what's the T? We're not going to get into that for the sake of Facebook. Somebody said that yesterday. We don't know who we are. We play a good part. But we don't know who we are. But yet God is taking and making a people out of us. That's what the journey in the wilderness was all about. God was making a people out of no people. A people that were rejected. A people that now People with no name. Now you have a name. Think about it for a second. Not just any people. Look at First Peter chapter two, verses nine and ten. It says, "But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging." That you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah this should have been a better hallelujah or, or Thank you. Thank you, my brother, my younger brother. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Yes. Look at the same scripture out of the Message Bible. It says, but you are the ones chosen by God. Chosen for the high calling of priestly work. Chosen to be a holy people. God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him. To tell others of the night and day difference that he has made in you. From nothing to something. From rejected to accepted. Wow. You see, God took slaves. Menial servants who had no education. And certainly no self-esteem. And you know what he did? He planted his own character. In each and every one of them. And he placed his name on them. He pulled them out of Egypt and he says, I'm going to make a people out of you. In other words, and I want you to listen to this. In other words, I'm going to teach you not just who you are, but I'm going to teach you whose you are. Okay? 
what you really doing? And what, what has this been kind of all about? He's creating the bride for himself. The Lord brought his descendants of descendants of Abram to the base of the mountain, but it wasn't easy. When the multitude of people needed food, God wanted them to look to him. Instead, they berated and rebuked Moses and complained. I think we heard about that earlier. About how, how good it was back in Egypt. A place that is known as bondage. The place where their lives were just ruined for over 400 years. When, when they were thirsty, again, they just complained. Yet God in his grace and his mercy still supplies what they need because of his great love. The bride that he's looking to present, Ephesians chapter 5, that's the theme scripture of, our, of my church back home. It's that Christ looks to present to himself a glorious church, one without spot or wrinkle. I love the NIV because the NIV says that Christ looks to present to himself a radiant church. One without spot or wrinkle. Are you the light of the world? Are you the light of Christ in the world? Are you the light of Christ yes. in the world? Yes. Then, then, then is your light shining or is your light, or do you got a dimmer switch on your, on your light? Okay. So that when you get into certain places that you don't want people to really know who you are, you put the dimmer switch so that you don't shine so much. You don't stand out quite as much. Yeah, it's good preaching, isn't it? You see, God had something better for the children of Israel. But it was almost like he was thinking that, that if he could just get them past that place of the mountain, that he would have hope of taking them all the way into the promised land. Amen. All the way to what you might ask besides the promised land, it's all the way to him. Yes, yes. You see, this life in which we've lived, we've lived it for basically ourselves. We've lived it for our friends. We've lived it for society. We've lived it for everything else, but really and honestly, it's supposed to be for him. The sad and fortunate truth of the book of Exodus is that this motley group of people that God, as soon as I say, God brought out of, God brought to the mountain wasn't the same group of people that entered the promised land. That's right, absolutely. That what was supposedly an 11 day journey to 40 years. And in that 40 years, because of the arrogance, because of the stuff that God is, is you know, trying to knock out of us in our lives so that we can be the vessels that he can use not to impress others and not to build for ourselves but to bring him all the glory all the honor and all the praise that's why the Bible teaches us that when, when, what's the greatest commandment love him with what with all I mean that's, that's not leaving anything out that's right if we were to ask ourselves tonight, even though we worshiped the way that we did and it was wonderful, 
Did we give up? No, that's right. Or did we hold back just a little bit? Because, you know, listen, you know, I, I was told that, you know, turkey makes you sleepy. <laughs> and, 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 and there were some of you that you looked like you were sleepy. Did you give them all? No. Or did you hold back some? <laughs> Am I doing all right, sir? Yes. Okay. Something specific happened in chapter 9. You see, God made them and made them a nation first for the first time in their history. He called them to a place, a place of blessing, a place of change, where honestly they didn't even want, they, they, they really didn't want to go. Listen, don't fall into the trap of thinking that this place was simply just some physical spot on the map. Because these people were already wandering across the wilderness. Dan and I, along with pastors and, and others, you know, we've, we've traveled the world. We've seen a lot of places. Um, that's not impressive. You know, as a kid growing up, I remember going, if I can go to Rome or Italy or something, or go to Israel. You know, 1984, I went to Israel, and it was awesome. But it was just a place. That's not where God is calling us. Amen? So don't fall into the trap of just some physical place on the map, because these people were already in the wilderness. Their blessing didn't consist of some wondrous real estate piece of land. Although the promised land was part of the package. God was calling them to a promised place in him. He was calling them to a place of covenants. He was calling them to a place of intimacy. With their creator. That was not offered to any other people on the planet. That's the secret of the secret place. Psalms 91. He who dwells in. That's right. Not around. That's right. <clears throat> not in front, not in back, not on top of what? In the yeah. secret place. Yeah. Will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's when you can say of the Lord that he's your refuge, your fortress, That's right. your God. That in him, in him, there it is, in him, that you can trust. Do you trust God today? Yes. Do you really? Yes. Do you really? Or, or is there something in you that's holding back? You know, listen, I'm, you know, I'm a Puerto Rican, New York, to South Central LA, okay, to Vermont. You know? And uh, you can ask my wife, you know, I, as much as I love God, as much as I want to serve him, as much as, as much as I want to worship him, as much as I want to love him, yet I find in me there are still issues that I have to deal with. And a lot of times, you know, it's like, I, I, I want to get it. God, I, I want everything. I want everything. But then when you just, just like the children of Israel did. When they were free, they got to the mountain, and when they got to the mountain, it's like, oh, maybe not. Mm -hmm. 
think that the idea of a kingdom of priests is an exclusive New Testament or Christian idea. But it was God's original plan. It was written. Exodus 19, verses 10 and 11 out of the NIV says, And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready on the third day, because on that day the Lord will come down on the mountain in the sight of all the people. Only when the ram's horn shouts or sounds a long blast may they go up to the mountain. All the, the first generation of Israelites gathered around the mountain when ultimately they ultimately ultimately believed that the fear excuse me, let me go back. Although the first generation of Israelites gathered around the mountain, they ultimately would believe in the spies. And they shrank away from the promised land in fear. You see, the real cause of their failure is found right there at the foot of the mountain. God intended for all the Israelites to come close to him in the mountain. But they were uncomfortable. You can read that when you get home in Exodus chapter 20, verses 18 through 21. They saw his lightning. They heard his thunder. They shrank back in fear. They ran from his presence instead of pursuing him, even as Moses did. When he saw the mountain, he said, I gotta, I gotta go see this. They were unhappy with the style of leadership that God had chosen. I want you to write this down if you can. It's, 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 it's going to be a few words or something. It says, he couldn't lay down his identity. We're talking about God now. God couldn't lay down his identity as Almighty God just to please man then. And he will with, he will with all certainty, uh, he isn't about to do it with today's generation. from holy intimacy that day was that they died before they or their children were ever, were ever able to enter into the promised land. It's sad. It's sad that they preferred a distant respect over an intimate relationship. Let me say that again. It's sad that they preferred a distant, uh, distant respect than an intimate it wasn't God's original plan for the first generation of Israelites to die in the wilderness. Did you know that? Second Peter 3 9 says, The Lord is not slow in, in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but that everyone come. He wanted to take that same group of people who he brought out of the land of bondage into the land of promise. He wanted to give his new nation of 
former slaves their very own land and inheritance, but they wouldn't have it because of fear. Remember, we, we're talking about the first generation. Their doom was sealed when they looked across the Jordan at the promised land and shrank back. But it really began when they shrank back from God's presence in the cloud of the mountain on Sinai. It was there that they ran from God, God and demanded that Moses stand between them. And you know, think about that. In, in certain religions, it's the man or the woman, whoever it is, that people are looking to to represent. I remember when I was working, driving a truck for a company, and uh, I had a variety of different clients um, as a sales representative, and uh, I, I went to this hospital, and there was a young man, Hispanic young man, in downtown LA, uh, at the Children's Hospital, and I'm there. And uh, he was in charge of the warehouse. Uh, and so I took it and you know, I would go in and we would talk. And, and I, everywhere I went, I would just share the Lord. Not, not preaching. I just, we just talked. And I would just, you know, the Lord would come out in certain different ways and stuff like that. And it, we had a great relationship. But we talked about, you know, this whole thing with, with God. And I said, I said, I think it was Jose. I said, Jose, you, you know, you believe in, you believe in Jesus? He says, you know why? He goes, well, for, for our sins, yeah. But it wasn't just for your sins. It was to take it to, to open up the avenue so that you can have a real relationship with God. I said, so, but in your religion, it's Catholic religion, in your religion, um, you go to the priest to confess your sins.
And so I like to work with wood, and I like to do things and stuff like that. And so that's why we really so, so when I pray, I pray with Joseph. I said, well, okay, that's all fine and dandy. I said, but Jesus was a carpenter. Okay, he's he's deity, he's all God, but Jesus was a carpenter. Jesus is the one that that paved the way so that you and I can have access to to the Father God. So we don't need this go-between. Okay? Listen, to to have a pastor, to have a priest, it's fine. Okay? But that's not God's best. Because God is God is calling you and I to a place where it's him. First and foremost. Now, if he wants to use somebody in your life, that's fine. And we need teachers. We need preachers. We, we have all that kind of stuff. But I, I, let me tell you, if you're able to give yourself to God the way that he has designed and he has called you to, you wouldn't even need somebody to teach you. I wouldn't even need to be here standing up. I wouldn't need to be at the keyboard. As a matter of fact, it was really interesting because it was the, uh, the second night of the, the second night of people, the third night, when... I didn't sing, but I just played. And what happened, I don't know if you realize it, but what God did is he was he had brought you into a place where you're the ones that carried the song. I didn't sing. As a matter of fact, it was interesting because I lost my voice that night. I, I, when, when we started out, I was, I was my, 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 my voice was cracking and I was like, what in the world? <coughs> It's not supposed to be happening to me. Right. Okay? And so, so I, I just, you know, he said, just, he said, just play. So I just started playing. And all of a sudden, you guys just started, yeah. ooh, and you brought it up to a certain point. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it stopped. And then all of a sudden, it went up again. Yeah. Yeah. And then it stopped. Yeah. And then you went up again. Yeah. I didn't have to do that for you. That shows me that there is some form of maturity in your lives, even though you're still not perfect. We have ways to grow. Amen. The church has been suffering from the same problem ever since then. We often prefer that a man stand between us and We have what we'll call a hell-inspired fleshly fear of holy intimacy with God. What's the root of this fear? That reaches all the way back to the Garden of Eden. If you think about all the issues that the world has had to face, it all started after the garden. When God gave the command, um, with our sister here, we talked about dominion. God gave dominion. Okay. Now I'm going to say I'm going to say something here, ladies. That's not just you know just just bear with me. Okay. But but it's not your fault that the curse came on the land. Yeah, you're the ones that ate the fruit. You're the ones that gave it to us as the men. But it wasn't your fault. Because God gave the authority to the men. And 
it was Adam's responsibility to watch over the bride that God had created out of his rib. And, and, and the fact that Eve was standing at the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil talking to the serpent. Why in the world? When God himself came down every single day to have communion with her. And yet, she was there. And the thing is, is that so was Adam. So, as a man, ladies, forgive us. And we were just stupid. Amen. Because it was our responsibility to protect. It was our responsibility to make sure that we stayed within the realm of what God had created for us. And, not, and I don't know why it was that, that Eve was enticed, but we should have done a better job as men. Men, shame on you. <laughs> um, I'm going to close in just a couple seconds here. Uh, and I, I only have one close. So just, you know, and, and, I, and I'm gonna, I, I promised myself that I was not going to take and, and make this a long sermon because we've had a lot for it. And, then, and my wife is going to be teaching tomorrow night, and, and she's, she, she, she's going to blow it out of the, out of the water. So, um, I'm just, I'm just the, the ballast in her life. She's she just going crazy, and I'm just going to slow it down just a little bit. And so I want to ask you a question. For you and me today, with everything that we've heard, everything that we've experienced, and even what we've talked about tonight, that the whole purpose of them crossing the river, excuse me, crossing the Red Sea, going to the mountain, the whole purpose was to worship God, to have that relationship established. And because of their fear, because of their selfishness, because of their just whatever you want to call it, they missed out on the best thing that they ever had. It wasn't just that they were released from bondage. It wasn't just that they had the wealth of Egypt when they left Egypt. I mean, what good is money if, it, if it's worthless when you die? You know, there are some things that are coming down the pike in this world that um, we, you know, we don't know a whole lot about. But the devil is slick. And he's instituting certain things in this world. That's why this, this whole pandemic thing. That's why this whole um, thing, monetary system, that's why, that's why this whole health situation, that's why the, 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 the political arena has has gone amok. I mean, I mean, look at look at what's gone on just in the, in the last year and a half. Right. Believe it or not, it wasn't an accident. The 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 virus that, that was instigated from the Wuhan lab wasn't an accident. Okay, I mean, if they if they if they created a virus, how in the world did we? Why in the world did we let it come into? When we 
why is it that we flew people from those nations into this country where we knew that, that those airlines carried people with the virus? Because it, it was an orchestrated plot to dismantle our country for the things in which God had created, God had blessed us with. Okay? Because we have been a blessing to the world and the world is trying to trying to take over everything. And so what? Because we're the ones that stand in the way. We, the people of God, even though in our flawed situation, even though that we're, we're, we're not perfect, yet God saw us and he gave us the, the, the opportunity to be a blessing to the world. He gave us the wealth. He gave us the, the, the ingenuity of design and, and creation. And we are now throwing it away for the sake of what? Money? Will we continue to run back to the land of bondage and oppression like the Israelites were crying out for when they were enslaved? Or are we going to go ahead and enter on? to that promised place in Him. The very presence of God. You know, the book of Ruth, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm done. Maybe I do have a second closet. <laughs> 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 well, see, my, my church back home, they you know they, they know me, and when I say you know I'm, I'm almost done, or I'm gonna I'll, I'll be done, I'm gonna try to get done in 30 minutes, an hour and 10 minutes later. Right? You know, so every time I say uh, this is gonna be a short message tonight. The story of Ruth, um, you know, begins when Bethlehem, who was, which was known as the House of Bread, uh, dried up. If I can say it that way, there was no more bread. So what happened was that uh, Naomi's husband, herself, and their two children, they left to find some kind of. substance for their lives. So what did they do? They, they moved to Moab, of all places. <laughs> Destitute place. And they lived there. The boys married. The dad died. The two boys died. And Naomi was left with two girls. Two daughter-in-laws. One, her name was Orpah. The other one was named Ruth, and her name was One day, after all this was going on, there was word that bread was back in Bethlehem. And so Naomi, because of her life and the God in whom, you know, the God whom she served, she said, I'm going home. I'm going home. And 
Yeah, she'd be very dull if she encouraged her daughter-in-laws to go back. More about women, okay? Go home. As a matter of fact, go, go home and see if maybe, maybe you'll find some husbands that are leaving children. And so Orpa eventually, she said, okay. She went back. But Ruth said, no. He said, don't, don't, don't try to talk me out of it. Don't, 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 please don't tell me that I can't go with you. As a matter of fact, you know what? I'm going to go whether you like it or not. And her, and here a Moabite woman, she saw the God in Naomi. And so she, and so she focused her life to say, you know what? What I had before didn't cut it. But there's something, even though there was nothing but a promise for bread, okay, that she said, I'm going to go with you. Your people are going to be my people. See, sometimes we have to change the mindset of what we let in our lives. And sometimes we have to take and, and, and accept new things that God has placed within us. Your God will be my God. And wherever you die, I'm going to die there too. Question tonight that I ask of you is that will you be Ruth, who a Moabite woman continued and brought in the lineage of the Christ in whom we serve today? She bore a son, Obed, who bore Jesse, who bore David, and on and on and on. Don't lose anything. So will you be a Ruth? Or will you be a Moab? Will you go back? Even when troubles come, would you resolve to go back to the way that things used to be because that's what you're familiar with? Or will you change the picture, the mindset to take on a new image and to see yourself not as, a, this is a little cliche, not as a victim, but as a victim. Not because of anything that you can possess in yourself. Not, that, not because you're so wonderful and great, because we know that we're not. But because of whose we belong to. And when you do that, if you go that route, get ready. Because what transpired at the feast this year, if we see another year. Can I say that again? If we see another year. Okay, the next time, the roof is going to blow out. And who knows, we may just...
Manchester, 